0: Listening to the Getting Smart podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. We're your hosts, Jessica and Caroline, and today we're bringing you a podcast about health. Yep, you heard that right health. I know it's a little bit different than our norm, but we promise this one's worth listening to. I totally agree, Jess. Think of it this way if every student had access to a doctor at school, it might help reduce chronic absentees of the 7 million students that are absent from school more than 10% of the time. Think about the impact that brings to students in classrooms. Tom recently spoke with Josh Gollum, the CEO of Hazel Health, a telemedicine startup serving 10,000 young people in 12 different school districts, to ask about the program that allows students to see a doctor, sometimes virtual and sometimes in person, thanks to Hazel Health. Great. Let's listen in.
1: All right, Josh Gollum, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you for having me. Did your interest in biology start in high school?
2: Yeah, it was in high school, but actually really, I'd say more in college. And so I was planning to be pre-med, was really excited. I was actually the first in my family to ever go to college um, and was excited about health in that mode and spent a lot of time with the medical school when I was an undergrad. It sounds like you had an AmeriCorps experience. Is that right? Yeah. And so actually the transition for me happened. So while I was at college, I ran this program for high school kids Um, through the medical school. And so the idea was the medical school was trying to identify kids in Northern California from disadvantaged areas that they wanted to basically increase representation in the sciences, and particularly in in medicine. So I ran that program for a couple of years and got incredibly excited about both education and the power of it, but also the power of working with underserved communities, because we basically bring these kids from all around Northern California to college campus for five weeks and expose them to all this amazing stuff and with the hope that that would get them excited to pursue future medical careers. And kind of, we've seen great results from that program. Um, and so while I was there, it made me very motivated to think, well, gosh, I think a lot of work could still happen in schools. And I joined America or right out of college and spent two years working in schools, mainly in low-income areas, trying to figure out how you could help them enact change and support a lot of the, kind of back then it was all around formative assessments. A lot of the sort of data-driven formative assessment work schools are trying to do. Uh, Josh, your
1: career looks like it's one of increasing uh, social enterprise and that feels connected to that AmeriCorps experience. I'm wondering where your your interest for, your passion in uh, making a difference came from.
2: Yeah, well, I, I would say, well, some of it comes from my family and just having this incredible family. My My grandparents immigrated to the US from Mexico um, my grandfather passed away at a really early age. And so my grandmother raised literally nine kids on her own from um for many, many years. And so we, part of just our culture and our family was always around community and service and family. And so when I had a chance to do this AmeriCorps program, and I just saw how much amazing work school teachers were doing every day to help kids like my like me, like my family. Uh, and how much of a difference they're making, I it just made me incredibly passionate about wanting to support what they were doing and find new ways to help communities and help kids. So if we fast forward to 2004, you were a co-founder at Devita. Uh, what, what
1: spurred the interest in uh, kidney disease? How did that opportunity come about?
2: Yeah. And so we co-founded a company called Devita RX, which was basically all around people who had kidney disease that had a bunch of issues around getting access to their pharmacy, and so what we, you know, what we literally spent a couple of months going around the country and interviewing people who had kidney disease. They're typically getting dialysis, and what we found in talking to folks is that they, in addition to their kidney disease, they had a number of other issues. About sixty percent were diabetic. Folks had high blood pressure, and so if you actually looked at how they were being treated by all these different physicians, they were on about nine different medications. Um, it was about literally about 21 pills, at least back then, it was about 21 different pills they were supposed to take. And when you looked at the data, it showed they were only taking about half of it. Um, and for a whole bunch of reasons, sometimes it was because of the cost. Sometimes it was because they couldn't get transportation to the pharmacy because they were really sick. Uh, sometimes it was they couldn't find a pharmacist in their own language. And so we built this very patient-centric model that basically tried to provide as much support for those patients as they could to increase the chance that they could get access to their medication and take it. And so it was a blast. We did that for, I was there for about 11 years um, and we saw terrific data where basically, and and this feeds a lot of Hazel today, which is this idea that if you can make it easier for people to get access to the healthcare they need, they take advantage of it and they have far better clinical outcomes um, if they can get the care that they need.
1: If we fast forward a few more years in 2013, you took over a, a home healthcare provider. What sparked the interest in that market?
2: Yeah, and so this was interesting because I what motivated me was this actually when I was an employer, and so we actually so at, at this point we one of our um, operations was in Dallas. We had about 1,500 people at that site. This is for the pharmacy business and wonderful people. We had this great culture, but. Um, I'd say it wasn't the most healthy culture. And so a lot of, we knew there was a lot of challenges in our, the employees, the folks that work there in getting access to healthcare. And so there was a sister company that we brought in to build a clinic called, this was called Paladine Health right on site. And so the idea was we, we would get a doctor, put it at the site of our employer. So it was like literally right next door to my building where it was incredibly easy access for the folks who work there and their families to get same day appointments, be able to see a primary care doctor um, and get the care that they need. And, and so this, before I joined full time, I was working with them as sort of a, a customer and just saw amazing results. And I would literally walk the floor of the pharmacy and sometimes people would stop me and say, listen, I've, I've never, you know, I haven't been to a doctor in four years. Uh, now that you've opened this Paladina Health Clinic, I went to the doctor, I found out I'm pre-diabetic I've totally changed my lifestyle, my diet, my diet and everything. I feel like this access to healthcare has totally changed my life. And so, and you would thank me. And it's not always that you, it's pretty rare when you are leading something that you get thanked around a benefit. And so I fell in love with this idea of increasing access in this case to primary care. And so I ended up joining that company actually as the CEO to try to grow it and to bring it to more, more people across the country. So
1: the dots are starting to connect. So um I with the history of you know, social benefit and an interest in health and, and uh in and seeing the tangible benefits of improved access, then you ran into Nick Woods a couple of years ago, who had this audacious idea of connecting K twelve students with healthcare. Uh what made the connection and what was exciting about that?
2: Yeah, exactly, Tom. So I think well so I think the big thing that I saw working at Paladina is a lot of even though we treated kids a lot of the work we did were with people who were parents and grandparents and a lot of what we were trying to do around health was change 40, 50 years of bad health habits. And I always had this belief that gosh, if we could really help people get healthcare access much earlier in life, it could make an even bigger difference. And so Nick um, and a f- bunch of folks here were thinking about, well, how could we help kids in a school setting? And now technology has gotten to the point where there's a lot of ways you could use health without having to build a ton of clinics. You could find a way to bring healthcare to kids. And you know, for us, the model at Paladina was finding adults at where they were throughout the week, which was at work. If you want to really help increase health care access for kids – you go to where they are during the week, which is, of course, the school setting. And so we spent a bunch of time um, with school district partners to say, gosh, if we wanted to do something like this and give access to kids, to a doctor in a healthcare set, and, to, and while they're at school, how can we make the model best support kids, but also support you teachers and school nurses and administrators that are doing all this work day to day? Um, and so we spent about a year building out what would ultimately become Hazel. So how does the Hazel Health model work? Yeah, so that at at its core, so we partner with school districts to build kind of virtual health clinics in a school site. And so if you imagine that somewhere in the school setting, um, there's a setup where there's both an iPad where um, they can see one of our providers, there's a stand, a whole bunch of peripheral equipment so we can take everything from a child's height and weight, um, their um, blood pressure, we have pulse oximeter bunch of other amazing technology that exists today that when a child comes in, if their parent has consented um, with the school nurse, they can now see one of our doctors and get care right on site, literally within about two to three minutes.
1: And does the school need to have a nurse or can it be a, a para assistant? What's the requirement?
2: Yeah. So we, our view is that school nurses are the best partners. And so we always are trying to work whenever we can to have a school nurse and partner with them. Um, And the reality is, unfortunately, a number of schools don't have school nurses. And so when they don't, we partner with the health services team, so the head school nurses to figure out how do we, when the school nurse is not there, how do we work with that team at the direction of the school nurses to provide care. And so our model looks a bit different because what you can do when you have a school nurse in the room who's got a license and knows a ton about medicine is very different than when it's an adult who's basically acting as a facilitator to start a visit but they can't participate in any way.
1: So a parent would give permission, um, a student would access the service um, on on demand. It's it's typically when a a student's not feel well, they'll report to the nurse and the nurse will access Hazel should, um, should the circumstance require. Is that the typical pattern?
2: Yeah, I'd say there's a few different paths. And so the most common thing that happens today is a child isn't feeling well in school they come to the office, and then the, a visit is initiated with Hazel. Um, and the idea is, you know, I think our first priority is that the child is healthy enough to return back to class, that we provide whatever care we need to and have them go back. And what's been great is we see about 85 to 90% of the time, the kids that are coming in are actually healthy enough to go back to their class. And so that's great from an education perspective, because it means the kids are getting more instructional time that day. Uh, the families are incredibly appreciative because otherwise they're getting called, and you know if you're at a job, you know be, you're losing your days pay to come pick up your child. If if the child is actually healthy enough to stay in school, that's terrific. And so for the vast majority of time, we're working with school nurses to get kids back in the classroom. Um, now at a broader level, we're finding that there's. A lot of times, especially in the areas that we're focusing on, there's more significant issues, and so you know we're finding children that may have had undiagnosed or untreated asthma, where we're trying to partner with the schools and with their PCPs if they have them to try to get them the care they need and make sure they've got an inhaler or this thing called a spacer at the school site. Um, and so, for the kids that are have more significant issues, we're trying to make sure they get the treatment and the access to care that they need. So.
1: Hazel is a a school-paid model as opposed to an insurance
2: model. Is that right? Yeah, that's where we are today is that schools are paying for this, often with the contributions from foundations and other places. And at the same time, we're working with the health system because what we believe is happening in a lot of parts of the country where there's folks are underinsured or on Medicaid is that we're helping connect to healthcare access that might not be otherwise happening and helping save insurers on things like Emergency room and urgent care visits. When you when you actually look at the visits that our providers do with kids, a lot of the reasons that kids are seeing us are the same reasons that show up in emergency room for unnecessary emergency room visits, which is both right. you know really hard on the families and the kids, but also costs the healthcare system a lot. And so the belief is that that there's an opportunity for us to make a much more efficient model and have that part pay for part of the system.
1: Well, I guess we could back up and and do. Um, some stats. Yeah.
2: There,
1: there's probably in most school districts, there's probably uh, 10 to 20% of the kids that have chronic attendance problems. And, and a big chunk of those have at least a health component to them, right? And because most schools get paid on average daily attendance, it's not only an academic problem, it's a, it's a business problem. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, you know, I think usually when we start to talk to districts, Tom, they usually start with this focus. I mean, they care about attendance and healthcare access for all kids. But there's a particular focus on these kids, the chronically absent ones. And so there's, I think, seven million kids in the country that are chronically absent, which means they're missing more than 10 percent of the school year. Um, and what we're finding is there's all sorts of reasons why those kids are missing. And so sometimes it is health related, like the ex- asthma example that I gave, um, sometimes it's, it's sort of more social service related and we can play a role in helping to connect those families, um, to often the resources that already exist in a school setting. So, you know, it might be a child with the food insecurity or something we treat children or homeless. And so we're trying to connect them to other resources that often exist in partnering with the school nurse and the social workers. Um, and, you know, and there's sometimes we're uncovering, you know, much more significant issues where they just haven't, that family hasn't ever had healthcare access. And so now that they know that we exist in the school, they're more likely to have their children that are healthy, but maybe say they don't feel well in the morning are more likely to have them come in because they know that there's someone that can treat them as opposed to getting, you know, they're, they're no longer worried that if I... You know, my child doesn't have a fever. at 7:30 in the morning, and you know I've, I have three school-age kids, so I can appreciate this. You know, you're, you one of my my Mateo, my son, says he doesn't feel well at 7:30, and if I'm worried about whether or not I can get him to a doctor or get seen, and I can't get called at work to leave, you know, maybe I have him stay with his grandma for the day so that he doesn't miss school. But now that I know that Hazel's there again in this scenario, he doesn't have a fever. He's healthy. I, you know, Mateo now goes into school and I know that if he's not feeling well, I may still get called, but I know now that there's um, extra, a doctor. And so we're finding that families are far more likely to send their kids into school because they know there's this extra level of healthcare access. So you,
1: um, how many partners do you have? Like how many kids are, uh, are you
2: serving now? Yeah. So we're with 12 school districts today. We're servicing about 10,000 kids and, you know, hoping to grow a lot more over the coming year. It
1: looks like Hazel Health is uh, is still a private company. Is that right? Do you guys have any plans to raise money?
2: Yeah, so we have raised a little bit of venture funding um, up to
1: date. Uh, so probably more uh, more to come on that front in the in twenty nineteen.
2: Yeah, would so likely more to come later this kind of this time next year.
1: Right, and and in terms of the your. Uh, product roadmap, uh, what what can you tell us about the next year or two?
2: Yeah, so our you know, our top priority is supporting our school partners, you know, the families, and particularly finding out from our school nurses can, how we can best support them. And so a lot of you know a lot of what we're doing today is continue to work with them to build out things like better protocols for asthma or you know Things as simple as pink eye and lice, which are, you know, it, 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 I was, my head always itches whenever I mention lice, but these are the real world things that you know, our school right. nurses and school leaders in the trenches are trying to solve. And so finding better and better ways to solve those sort of small things that can have a really big impact on the school setting um, and then and then trying to grow beyond that. And so thinking about, you know, from a public health perspective, it's really interesting because we... We're able to identify in a given geography when a potential flu outbreak might happen because we can sort of track with our data when kids, we see a number of kids that have high fevers and flu-like symptoms. Um, a lot of school nurses have been asking us to help think about mental behavior, health as things to add on right. to that. And so right. um, huge need today. And so part of what we imagine doing, we're piloting with a few districts today to say how, what do you most need and what would a solution look like and what role can we as Hazel play in that? Um, so we, we expect to be doing something, you know, a lot of it will be to figure out the best way that we can support kids in the schools.
1: That's great. It's such an exciting time. The technology is finally uh, good enough and cheap enough that we're starting to see r- really exciting uh, pilots in health and speech therapy and occupational therapy. And, and it's so great to see you guys connecting Students uh w- with doctors and expanding access to, to cost effective health care is just another way to keep more kids in school and keep them healthy
2: yeah it's I mean, it's exciting, and i I can't stress enough how much we love our school nurse partners, and I think you know, until you know, you're a, you know this world, but I don't think I really appreciate it. I'd been in schools and seen the education perspective on it my time in AmeriCorps, but I had never really sort of shadowed how much a school nurse does day to day and how much of just superheroes they are behind the scenes, making sure kids are healthy. And so, you know, what gets me most excited is when we get the feedback from them on how many more kids we're helping them serve, how many more th- ways that we're helping them expand their scope, and you know, to really realize how valuable, how key they are as resources to those communities, and that there's an opportunity for Hazel to help them and, and in turn help many more kids.
1: Yeah, that's great. Josh Golem, uh, Hazel Health, thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast. Thank you.
0: A big thanks to Josh for taking time to chat with Tom for today's podcast. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you have a free second, please leave us a rating and a review. We love to hear what you have to say and it helps us get better. And if you're looking for more about innovations and in learning, be sure to head over to gettingsmart.com to check out our blogs, infographics, white papers, and more. You can also head to Twitter and follow us at getting underscore smart to stay in touch on new campaigns, new content, and the news and updates in education. All right. That's it for today. We'll talk with you next week. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica and Caroline signing off.